can't believe it. Hulk is up there. He nailed him. We got new champion. Everybody and welcome to another episode of the Wrestling Connection podcast. Come on in, settle down, make yourself all nice and comfy with a wee cup of tea, a cup of coffee, or a cup of water on this fine, fine day. Thanks a lot, everyone, for tuning in this week, downloading, streaming. However, you are listening to this episode, we are very, very grateful. And my name is Chris. And uh, hang on a second, there's, there seems to be a problem with the line. Oh wait, there's no problem. This is our very first, ladies and gents. Sometimes life gets in the way, brothers and sisters. Do any females listen to this show? If you're a female out there and you are not... (laughs) You're not one of our significant others, our parents, or our relatives, if you're a female out there. Because I believe on the statistics it's like 97% male demographic. That's fine. Listen, we're not, you know, we're not going to judge anybody. We're not going to be spoiled. Be ungrateful is the word I was looking for. But I'd just like to know if there's any females out there. If you're another gender, another species, then that's cool by me and us. I say us because it's not always just me. Usually, as you know, I'm joined by my far superior, my far more intelligent, um, far more level-headed co-host, Mr. Glenn. Um, However, Glenn is in the process, ladies and gentlemen, and you've heard us talk about this before, but right at this particular moment, he is in the process of moving hoos. He has bought his first house as a full established male. <laughs> literally, <laughs> I literally was about to say a full established main eventer. <laughs> Wrestling in the heat, ladies and gents. No, a full established adult. He is now a husband. He is the father to a dog. We shout out to Luna, who has her own uh, Instagram. And he is now a proud homeowner. So, Glenn and Kate, who sings the beautiful jingles to our show here, uh, finally moved into their brand new house this week. So, they're in the process of getting all set up, getting the Wi Fi sorted, all the furniture sorted. Glenn's getting his man cave slash recording studio all sorted, ready for next week. So, Glenn will be back here next week for another episode. It's a shame, though, because normally we talk about, you know, the WrestleMania that relates to the number of episodes. And if my memory serves me correctly, this is episode 25. And what an amazing WrestleMania to talk about, you know, would be WrestleMania 25, where they called it the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania, which technically was incorrect, because on your first wedding anniversary, it's not your second anniversary, it's your first anniversary. That makes sense, doesn't it? Glenn would know that, because as I said, he's he he's, he's the married one. Anyway, so he's away moving house and stuff. We can't talk about Michaels and Taker, and we can't talk about how Triple H and Randy Orton was really, really let down because of the buzz in the arena. But let's face it, right? You look back to WrestleMania 18, you get Rock and Hogan, right? And people say, all right, well, Jericho and Triple H is hurt because Hogan and Rock 
is this massive match and the, the fans are going crazy for that match. So technically, really, when you think about it, they could have probably put on Hogan and Rock last on the show. They wouldn't have done that, though, because obviously it was around that time where the title was everything. The title had to go on last, and I believe that. I don't think Triple H was wrong when he claimed that. I know that's a story like Triple H was like, the title's going to go on last, brother, and stuff, just to put himself over. I totally agree with him. It should go on last. And Jericho had worked so hard to get to that spot. They had a really good story with Stephanie. That is the rightful main event. It's just a shame that Rock and Hogan was such an epic match and they couldn't top it. So that's why that they kind of got that one wrong. Maybe, you know, it could have gone on last. At WrestleMania 25, no one was even thinking that Taker and Michael should have went on last. When it happened, we realised that, but everyone was thinking Orton and Triple H needs to main event. It's the best story. It's the WWE title. Orton won the Royal Rumble. They've got all the McMahon stuff and Stephanie got assaulted and all that stuff. That had to be the main event, and it was. And it's actually not the, the worst match in the world. It's just a bit boring, and it's not what the match needed. I know what they were kind of going for. I, we have talked about this before, but, you know, with Triple H can't get disqualified and stuff. But after everything they went through, you'd imagine that Triple H would want some retribution. And speaking of retribution, it's a, it's a touchy word right now in the wrestling world and I guess me and Glenn will talk about that somewhere down the line but here's me rambling on myself talking this is what happens after you've not recorded for a little while you just start going and you never know when to stop this is the very first edition ladies and gentlemen of the best of meet a wrestler my personal favorite segment on the show other than random wrestler recollection which we're not going to do today without Glenn but um yeah my favorite segment on the show is meet a wrestler where myself or Glenn will tell a story long form in as much detail as possible about an experience meeting someone in the pro wrestling world whether it be a manager whether it be an agent whether it be a commentator or whether it be a sports entertainer themselves and there has been many great stories over the past 24 episodes and since Glenn wasn't going to be able to attend this week we thought we'd put together a little compilation and I picked out some of my favorite meet a wrestler stories that we have had here on the Wrestling Connection in the first 24 episodes. So we're going to just play a few of them here, um, ones that were short and sweet, kind of, and didn't take 35 minutes like my Young Bucks story, but Glenn insists that the Young Bucks one was really good. So maybe if we do a, a Meet a Wrestler, Best of Meet a Wrestler Volume 2, the Young Bucks one can be in there. But some good lengths of these ones, some nice fun stories. And what better way to start than the very first edition of Meet a Wrestler, which was all the way back on episode number two of the Wrestling Connection. So we do apologise for the kind of slight audio imperfections and the flow being a little bit off. But you have to remember, this was only our second episode. We are still finding our feet. And now I do believe that Glenn and I are in a flow and we're in a sort of um, a good rhythm when it comes to the podcast. We have very good chemistry anyway, but because it, it is more like just two pals chatting about wrestling rather than a host and a co-host, which is what I think the, the show is really good for here on the Wrestling Connection. Please let me know if you agree or disagree. We're always up for feedback and stuff, but uh, we are still ironing out the kinks back on episode number two, so bear with us here for this one. But episode number two, it was the first edition of Meet a Wrestler, and it's when Glenn and I met the tag team champions, plural, of Daniel Bryan and Kane. So that's always an exciting thing, meeting Daniel Bryan, you know, maybe one of the best wrestlers ever, and then Kane, this like over-the-top character that you would never expect to meet. But it also was the very, very first day that Glenn and myself met in real life. I said we didn't we didn't meet before that, you know, in non-real life. We didn't message or anything. This is the very first day Glenn and I met, and we just so happened to run into Daniel Bryan and Kane on this day too. Team Hell No. The wrestling connection. But there's there's a better story I would say to tell with the day that you and I met. Because the day I first met you, Chris, was the same day that I first met Daniel Bryan and the big red mayor, 
Glenn Jacobs, Kane. And out of those three people, I went on to become really good friends with only one, and that was you, Maggie. <laughs> no, I know. Can you, sometimes I just think about the fact I've met Kane. It just doesn't really register with me very well. I know. He still got it, uh, as he profoundly uh, admitted when he won the 24-7 championship a few months ago. <laughs> I still got it. That was very funny. So basically, so it was in the November, I think, November of 2012. And um, there was a show in Glasgow that night, but I didn't have tickets to the show. I was just going to the signing. Um, and so, I mean, around that time between 2010 and 2014, uh, was my real sort of like I'm in school and I'm trying to skip class to go and meet these wrestlers and I, and I understood that it was like a once in a lifetime sort of thing. It was one of those ones where I was just sitting there trying to think and trying to plan my uh, approach to try and get out of class and try and speak, you know, talk to my mum into letting me miss class and go to Brayhead of all places, which is miles away from my school, to try and meet Daniel Bryan and Kane instead of being in maths or whatever. Um, and I, running up to the, the signing, I was like, what am I going to get Kane to sign? I mean, he's in everything. He's in every DVD, every book, every figure, you know. There's always something relating to Kane. Um, but I wanted, because I was thinking, when are you ever going to meet Kane again? So I wanted to make it very special. So I ordered the Ringside Collectibles exclusive one of 3,000 or something, this really rare figure. And it's the, it's the figure with Kane with and without the mask, like when he's taking off the mask, he's kind of in the chains and that sort of thing. This really cool... Kane figure and I thought this is going to be a perfect one an elite it will sit on the wall forever and um you know I'll get it signed really cool so all of that it took ages to come and it didn't arrive until like the day before the signing so I was a bit panicky about that and I also had a basic Mattel Daniel Bryan figure that I thought get that one signed and set them side by side on my wall one Daniel Bryan autograph and one Kane autograph collectively team hell no and uh, that's what I got signed and both of them look uh, they both look excellent they both signed in gold which I thought was really cool now, as I recall, we were all part of, um, I don't know if we were an admired or a, a group that was disdained, but, you know, there was, there was always the same people that would show up really early to these things. And I remember... Yeah. Now, Kane and Daniel Bryan weren't supposed to be at the Brayhead Arena. It was A1 Comics, wasn't it? Um, and yeah, yeah. They weren't supposed to actually be in the building until about... Three o'clock, I want to say, and I got up at stupid o'clock because I got to Brayhead for the for when it opened. I, I remember taking a bus from my flat in Partick at the time uh, to get through to Brayhead, and, and got off the bus, and there were already people there, including including Scott McGowan. Uh, yes, who, shout out to Scott. Bigger, yeah, shout out to Scott. Uh, he's a he's a great guy. I haven't seen him in years, but uh, it's good to see his ever expanding wrestling figure collection on Instagram. Uh, Which, by that, the way, I helped. Uh, I helped add to the other week when he, he was uh, he put on social media. He's trying to collect every single classic superstars figure. Mm. So I was like, okay, I'm going to send the ones that I have just lying about in case you need any of them. And he ended up buying Taz and Chris Jericho from myself. Oh, there's a hardcore title match from the year 2000. If the river was absolutely, one. <laughs> man. Like so, I I remember getting there quite early and i don't remember precisely i think you showed up late slightly later on so what was the story because i got there on my own and then a, a friend of mine showed up later on i remember sitting down on the floor in brayhead and talking to you for the first time but i don't remember exactly when you showed up i think it was one of those ones where you know the way you're just sitting about in these long i guess it's quite appropriate now in these quarantine times where you're kind of waiting outside the shop and you're queuing outside the shop, but like you know, you just get, get talking to people, and you just start having these sort of common bonds, and you just start chatting away. And I mean, I, I, the signings I'd been to before, I'd chatted to people before. Do you know what I mean? But I never kept in contact with them really. 
Um, I remember speaking to one guy before this one um, about The Walking Dead, and he was like, uh, I I don't even know how it happened, but he just like approached us and was like, "Do you guys watch The Walking Dead?" And I was like, "Um, "Yeah," and he was like, "See if they kill Daryl. I'm going to boycott the show." I was like, okay. I've, I've stopped watching The Walking Dead these days, but I, pre- I hope to God that uh, Daryl's still alive so that the guy didn't boycott. Um, but this one, I, I, I just like the setup of Brayhead, though, because he had those kind of barriers outside the shop and we were all kind of propped up and we both knew, and I mean, I say both me and you, but we were both with other people. We knew we were going to be there for a while, you know, so you just kind of try and make the most of the day, really, and just try and speak to anybody. We just started chatting about... I don't know the show later on tonight, and and what's what what your favorite thing about wrestling? I don't know. I, I really don't remember. But we did just get chatting out the blue, and just um, ended up I don't know clicking. I don't know if that's the word, but um, we just started chatting for ages. Yeah, and then I after because those moments always help pass the time. I've all yeah. They say it's a very British thing to cue, um. But the thing, the reason I like queuing at these things, whether it be a concert or a wrestling thing, and invariably for me it's a wrestling thing, is that you always have something in common with people in the same queue as you. So you can mm-hmm. start talking to people. Um, and this was a great example of that. I remember the, the time kind of uh, clicked on and I, I brought with me a couple of magazines, um, including the only copy of Power Slam magazine, which I still have. And like, like I was saying last week, <laughs> I regret, I so profoundly regret not keeping my old Power Slams. But I still have the one that Kane signed that day and a magazine that, uh, that Daniel Bryan signed, which, uh, which he was on the cover of as well, like an old uh, like a WWE magazine before that closed its doors. Um, one of the... Uh, slightly awkward things that happened to me that day was that I was wearing a Daniel Bryan t-shirt but it was a um, what's the word a bootleg t-shirt it was not an official WWE product this was a nice of course yeah it was a gift from my ex who had printed for me uh, not for that occasion but just because I'd really become a huge Daniel Bryan fan. I'd always been familiar with them thanks to Power Slam covering the Indies for all these years. But that was, you know, just a few months removed from the the real takeoff of the Yes movement. And that's when I really, really got into Bryan. And, and you know, people maybe don't look back at that year in wrestling fondly, but I, I loved it. I loved Punk and Bryan being at the top of their game, being world champions. Absolutely. Points. Um, so I was wearing this Daniel Bryan t-shirt. And so we... Um, there's always that moment when you first see them when you get when they first come into your line of view at a signing, isn't there? Uh, yes. That, that and like even just a few months, like when I when I not the last time I saw you, but the time before that, when we were at the uh, inside the ropes grilling JR show, I had that again. There's always a butterfly moment. You're in the queue and you're queuing, and when you first get a glimpse of the person you're waiting to see, that time it was JR, and, and on this occasion we're discussing now. Of course, it was Daniel Bryan and Kane, and the first thing you think of was. A, Kane is massive, and B, it's still yeah. weird seeing him in like a, a jumper and jeans, but still wearing his mask. <laughs> you know? That's what I loved about it. He's just wearing like an old shirt, but still he had his hair like in a bun. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we get to the queue, and uh, I can't remember who who was on what side. So I don't remember if you met Kane first. I think we met Kane first. No, I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh, I don't know. I think I think you're probably right. Yeah, Kane was first. But I mean, they were right next to each other. So, um, like, like I say, most of my encounters with wrestling is part of my anxious disposition. I, I always make an absolute fool of myself or say something stupid. Like I said, there have been very few encounters with wrestlers where I've walked away going, "Yeah, that went well." Um, yeah. So 
Kane uh, takes the parachute and he saves it, and I say, "Hi, Kane." <laughs> and what I wanted to say was, "You used to give me nightmares," but he came out with, "You give me nightmares," as in. <laughs> For the record, folks, at this point, I was a 21-year-old man at this time, you know. <laughs> so, and so I say, hi, Kane, 21-year-old man. Remember, this came out the mouth of a little six-year-old boy that would be adorable and you'd make time for the kid if you were the wrestler. 21-year-old, six-foot whatever, you give me nightmares. And he said, nothing. He ignored me. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. on to Daniel Bryan. So and already I'm in a, a flustered state of Glenn, you absolute social disaster. You should not be allowed out, let alone the people that you idolize. So there we go. You go from one of these iconic names of wrestling, one of these people who would be on the attitude era Mount Rushmore, and you move on to one of the most highly regarded technical wrestlers of all time. And I'm wearing a bootleg T-shirt, and he clocks it, and he's staring at it. And so I'm looking at Dan Ryan, and he's holding my magazine in one hand, and in the other, and he's just looking at my T-shirt. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. I'm not fully recovered from the whole Kane give me nightmares episode, and I said to him, "Oh, this this is homemade," and he just went, "Huh?" Same my magazine, and that was it. So one of my oh, social disaster encounters. Well-known professional wrestlers. <laughs> Who did it go for you? I was thinking about my flashback there. Did we not meet up after the signing, and you told me that story, and I was howling then as well? I think, yeah, I think you did. My date, my day didn't get any less strange beyond that. But before I elaborate, uh, <laughs> when you when you tell me about what it was like for you in that moment meeting Daniel Bryan and Kane. So in terms of my interaction with Kane and Daniel Bryan, I was I was talking about I had these these individual figures I wanted to get them signed, which is always a nightmare when you're carrying it, like when you're going to <laughs> when you're going to go up to the, the table and you're like trying to hold both figures in your hands. Um, yeah, I yeah, put, not as easy as magazines, I don't imagine. Not at all, not at all. I, I, you see, you were ahead of the curve. You thought about the the practice. What's the word? The practicality of getting something signed. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so I walk up to the table and. Um, I shake their hands or whatever. And, and remember, there was like a, this real strict rule that you weren't allowed to take any pictures because it was Kane? Yeah, that was so weird because that's that wasn't really the norm at that time. I had pictures and videos of everybody because obviously that was like peak, or well, maybe not peak, but like I was really into YouTube at the time and I was uploading all these things on YouTube and I was thinking this is going to be perfect footage for the video. Um, yeah. But there was just no cameras whatsoever because it's Kane. I was like, fair enough. Um, so I walk in and I put my elite figure in front of Kane and I just said, Kane, when's the next Inferno match? And <laughs> Kane looked at Daniel Bryan, took his time, signed my figure, looked at me, dead in the eye with his mask on, and just went, hopefully never, and passed on. <laughs> <laughs> and, which is ironic because a matter of months later at SummerSlam, he ended up having one against Bray Wyatt, which I thought was really funny. I was like, that's Brilliant. probably my influence. Yeah, uh, and then Daniel Bryan... Again, just went <laughs> and laughed at Kane's thing, signed my thing, and that was it. Didn't say anything. Beautiful. Which is, which is good because, obviously, Daniel Bryan is always known for being like this really quiet, nice kind of guy. I was worried he was yeah. going to say something bad. But then the next year when I met Daniel Bryan again, um, yeah. I said to him, oh, I met you last year or whatever. And he was like, oh, cool, cool, thanks very much. And I just went, uh, who was your favourite wrestler growing up? <laughs> and he went... I know where this is going. And he said... Um, 
I can't say his name. Uh, Dean Malenko. So I don't oh, know God. if he was if he was trying to make a wee Chris Benoit reference there or not. I don't know. Um, Quite possibly. Or maybe he genuinely did think of forget Dean Malenko's name. Maybe he can, maybe he can't pronounce Malenko and he has to really think about it. I don't know. He just went. Uh, I can't say his name. Uh, Dean Malenko. And then I kind of went as if like, I got the joke. I really didn't. I kind of just made that kind of gesture <laughs> like, oh, I. <laughs> and then like my my mate Fraser's filming it, and I've got this really cool screenshot on my Instagram actually. I think. Um, and like I'm just like mid laughing, like Daniel Bryan's got this big cheeser on, and I just put the caption on Instagram saying just making Daniel Bryan laugh. Dot dot dot. As if I told him a joke. <laughs> oh, fantastic! Um, you know, there's that was uh the the day the, the Daniel Bryan and Kane day for me was was mental. Like there was all that hilarity with Kane and Daniel Bryan itself. So there was the fact that I got to meet you, who and you've become a lifelong friend since then. That day, yes. Um, you'll remember that WWE 13 came out that that same mm. year, uh, which is an excellent video game, and um. You know, you didn't have tickets to the show that night, but myself and my friend did. Uh, and what do you do to kill time between this and the signing and the show? Is we went down to HMV, we played some of the video game, uh, and then we went to go and join the queue to get into the venue. Uh, and my friend Callum, who I was with at the time, uh, he got like a a, a cane mask signed, um, which is one of the coolest things to get signed by Kane is absolutely is a replica mask. Uh, I can't remember what he got signed by Daniel Bryan, but he kept it all and he kept it on a carrier bag, went down and played the, the video games. And then we were in the queue and I don't know if we were actually talking to you again or if we were talking to somebody else, maybe Scott McGowan. It was other people who were who we'd, we'd spoken to earlier in the day and we started inevitably talking about what we got signed. So I was like, oh yeah, here's my magazines. Oh my God, told Kane it gives me nightmares. Callum got <laughs> a mask signed. Callum, show him the mask. And then Callum just went ashen white. Like and he realized that he had left his mask down in HMV. No. And yeah, oh my god, yeah. Now, like Callum, if you're listening, we haven't spoken years. I love you, man. Uh, you know I do. But Callum was not an agile guy. Put it that way, right? <laughs> I have never seen someone move so fast in my life. He bolted, and you know, Brayhead Shopping Center is a long, long shopping mall. So he yep. bolted all the way down from the engine of the Brayhead Arena, down the escalators, all the way to HMV. And I thought, oh my God, this this building is full to the brim with wrestling fans. You're, and this is me speaking as somebody who at the 2016 Smackdown tapings in Glasgow had a unicorn horn a la The New Day stolen from me by a six-year-old. Yeah, um, I, I, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, I thought, you know, these wrestling fans, like, there's no chance. If you're a wrestling fan going to the show and you've missed the signing, and you go to HMV and you find a, a signed Kane replica mask, there's no way. Like that, I said, there's no chance that he's getting it back. But sure enough, about 15 minutes later, Callum shows up and there he, he's got a, he's got, he's got the stuff. It's he, been left right next to the PlayStation threes. Exactly where he'd left it about an hour beforehand. Incredible scenes. Um, You're just sitting there in the queue waiting, and you just see your pal walking up wearing the mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm never losing this bad boy again. He's still wearing it today. Um, <laughs> uh, I will leave uh, this part of the podcast. I'm sure we need to. We should press on, but I will say, like you know, in in weeks to come, we'll talk about memories of live events. That's there's that's another thing yes. that we have lots of good stories from. It's called the Wrestling Connection. It's fantastic. You have to check it out. I wonder if Kane still gives Glenn nightmares. He doesn't give me nightmares because he's the mayor of Knox County. And we did mention this as well, that we think it's absolutely hilarious that Kane and his government, or whatever it is, voted against wearing masks in that 
and ironic. But who knew? Glenn is like a Glenn. I was literally about to say Glenn is in Glenn Jacobs. Kane. <laughs> Kane is apparently one of the most you know intelligent guys on the roster. You'd think he'd want to wear a mask. He's probably sick of it after all these years. But ladies and gents, if you're out there and you don't wear your mask in public, what are you doing? Um, please wear your mask. Don't don't be selfish and um, protect yourself. That's another thing about this whole pandemic thing and, and mask wearing. People against mask wearing and and you know not not caring about others as long as I'm safe. Really, realistically, if you're wearing your mask, you're protecting yourself more than anybody else. And that's what I was thinking about today. If everybody protects themselves in this whole thing, in this coronavirus stuff. If everybody just washes their own hands and, <laughs> and and minds their own business and keeps their own distance and wears their own mask, then everybody else will be fine. You know what I mean? It's not about other people in this case. It is, kinda, but when you think about it, if you want to be selfish about it, protect yourself. Think about yourself. Anyway, I don't know why we're going down that, down that um, path. But another controversial wrestler... Is, uh, when I say controversial, it's just because he's had a, a historic past and a bit of a daft past. But he is considered by many as the greatest wrestler of all time. And of course, I'm talking about Sean Mackles, the heartbreak kid. And uh, on this particular occasion, Glenn and I had met Sean Michaels on different days. However, we had both had altercations with HBK. Mine was rather tame. And Glenn, <laughs> Glenn's wasn't so tame. And it's one of my favourite stories he's told on the show. So here is when Glenn and I both met the Sean, the, the Sean Michaels, the heartbreak kid, Sean Michaels, on opposing days, but both had very, very interesting stories. Meet a wrestler, we met a wrestler in the flesh. Ooh, yeah. Okay, let's, um, so I've never heard this story on your part, right? And my story of meeting Sean isn't particularly exciting or eventful. It's just a very simple meet and greet. You know, it just happens to be with Shawn Michaels, probably the best in-ring wrestler ever. Um, but it, it, nothing really major happened. So I, I guess I'll tell mine first, and then we can go to yours. Is that right? Okay, sounds good. So this is before, this was 2015, I think. 2015, okay. June of 2015. And it was right before I really stumbled across Inside the Ropes. Um, I don't mm. know when they formed. I don't know when they did their first show. But I think the Bischoff one might have been my first Inside the Ropes show. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. But it might have been. So so Sean was coming over and it was this big, you know, excited thing. And um, my dad got himself a general admission ticket, but only one meet and greet. He's not, I'm not bothered about meeting Sean or whatever. So you can just do the meet and greet. So I was like, okay, that's amazing. Thank you. I think that was for Christmas one year. And nice. uh, so we got to the venue. And because I was meet and greet and he was general admission, we couldn't sit together. So oh. I sat in like the second row, and he had to go all the way up into the like sort of it was like an upper level. It was kind of a weird venue actually. It was quite small, but like it kind of reminded me of like one of the small theaters that you would like perform in at drama school or a young yeah. theater company. It was like not where, many. Where Honestly, I don't know. It was it was in Glasgow. Um, okay. But I think it was somewhere on the West End. I could be wrong about that. Um, okay. But it was a really random. Like you wouldn't imagine like a touring celebrity coming over to do a show there. You know. No. Uh, so, so my dad's up in this kind of like stalls above, and uh, after the show, I just kind of gave him a wave, and uh, he went out to the car, and I just stood in line, and I, luckily I met my friend Evan there, so we kind of met him together. Uh, I was fortunate enough to take my classic superstars figure series one, Shawn Michaels, which Ooh. I still have uh, mint in box. That, is that the one in his WrestleMania twelve gear? In the white gear, yeah, I love that figure. Yeah, yeah. Nice uh, I got it at a Collector Mania one year for like 40 quid. I couldn't believe I found it so cheap because it was always one of those really expensive ones because it was like one of the first classic superstars figures ever, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I thought that's a perfect one to get signed. I don't know why I never got the world title signed, signed even though we won it in one of my favourite matches ever. But I, I guess I didn't want to carry it to the show, I guess. Um, 
so we just, you know, we went round and Sean was kind of on the stage and you kind of queued up in front of the stage and you went up on the stairs and it was just one by one, very, very simple. And um, I walked up, put the figure on the table. He didn't really say anything. And I must have asked him a question that he heard a million times. I said, so Sean, what was the atmosphere like backstage after WrestleMania 25? I mean, how many times has someone asked him that question? I don't know why I went there with that one. And uh, he just he just said, you know, uh, people were just going nuts. <laughs> and then yeah, I'd, lo- I'd love to think I'd love to think in his mind he was going, which one was twenty five? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. He's like, which one was that again? Um, people were going nuts. Pretty safe answer. And uh, and and he just signed the figure. And that was it. We took a picture, and the picture is is a, I mean. It's not the greatest picture of, of me and Sean together. However, it's beautiful because Sean is like, because of his mad, weird eye, he's looking the complete other direction and it just sums up a Sean Michaels picture in 2015, you know. Yeah. Um, he's looking to the car park and I'm looking at the camera. But uh, it was nice. You know, he shook your hand and stuff. He took time to answer the question, I guess. And it was nice. Yeah, very, very by the book, very simple and a nice experience all around. So uh, what about you? Because I feel like your experience wasn't quite as jovial. I mean, I'll preface all of this with, with it was a great day and a great show. Uh, the only reason it's ma- it maybe stands out a bit more is just because I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, like, first of all, like, by this point, so so I was aware of that 2015 show that you went to. I didn't know until recently that you had been at it. But... Um, and Sean was always one of those ones that I'd always wanted to meet because, like, I'd read Heartbreak and Triumph as a as a teenager, and I really loved the story of like yeah, I love that know, book. His, his issues and his problems, and his, then his redemption and the birth of his children, and this, this that amazing second run that he had, his final run. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I'd always wanted to to the point that when we were at that um, house show in 2008 where he wrestled JBL, I was amazed because I didn't expect Sean was going to be at that show because he didn't always do the European tours. Um, so I don't, I'd had had that to say. I'd, I'd been able to say I'd seen him wrestle, albeit in a very brief match, but I didn't think I'd ever get the chance to meet him. So uh, the other thing I remember about that day in January was that it was like we had a lot of bad snow that year. That was the year of the Beast of the East. Uh, oh, but this was the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but this was the first kind of spell of snow that we had. And it wasn't, you know, stop the country kind of snow, but it was inconvenient kind of snow. And Robert and I had traveled into town to get to the, the meet and greet. Um, and the snow hit and it was freezing outside. And neither of us was wearing like enough layers. So we were both freezing cold. And I've got a few pictures of us just absolutely drenched. It's that way that the the snow and the wind work together. So it goes horizontally Mm -hmm. and it just attacks you. So we're running up um, a very slippery, sucky hall street to get to the garage where the show was. And uh, we realized that we've got about an hour to kill before we need to be at the VIP. And we just took refuge like it was a zombie apocalypse. Um, in the first place that we could so we got a pizza uh, somewhere and kind of cooled down but the weather got so much worse that by the time we got out of that venue having warmed up to get to the garage we were freezing again and we queued outside for quite a while um, and eventually I mean bless them there's only so much they can do you know when you've got a lot of people queuing to meet Shawn Michaels but they tried to let as many people squeeze in as possible to queue in the shelter but the point behind all of this is that I was freezing cold and we all were and like my feet were soggy and wet we were all pretty uncomfortable and uh, mm. people are like you know they've got their their action figures under their coats you know to protect it from yeah, the bad yeah, weather yeah. and stuff 
Um, and as is always the way, one thing I'll always say about Inside the Ropes is that having been at other like Q&A things from other companies they always run it best it's so efficient and you don't but you also don't feel rushed at the same time uh it just is so professional and so easy so like we start to queue up and again you have that moment where you see them for the first time and uh, yeah. Sean's like sat on a wee stool in front of a green screen and they're taking pictures and stuff like that I buy an eight by ten uh and again I have to stress I am freezing cold at this point <laughs> But Sean must have been holding on to the San Antonio Sun because he was, um, you know, sat there with like a black tank top on. So his bronze tanned arms are on full display. You know, he's still showing off the gun show. The guy's in incredible shape, wearing yeah. his cowboy hat. And he's just, he, he looks um, fantastic, you know, especially for a chap his age. He's he, the picture of uh, health, really. Uh, and this was just before he cut his hair. It was just before he cut his hair for, I, I think the first thing we saw that was at Raw 25. And this was about eight or nine days before Raw 25, which um, right. um, uh, which is where we first saw the short-haired Michaels, as I now call him. Um, and <laughs> so we're queuing up and uh, Robert and I, when we go to these shows, he always likes to go first. Um, and so Robert went first and met Sean and he took a really cool picture with him and uh, got something signed and it was awesome. And now I'm waiting to meet him and the, the, the guy says, like, okay, off you go. You can go up to him now. And I'm there. My hands are still freezing, by the way. So uh, I say hi. He signs my picture and he... <laughs> I can't believe this still this is still i'm so embarrassing <laughs> uh, uh and we we kind of huddle in to take the picture and i put my on a hand around his shoulder but my hands are so cold it gives him a shock on his beautiful warm bronze shoulder so that, so and he goes oh and then uh i jump he jumps and my shoulder knocks his hat off his head i am no his cowboy hat, yeah no way i had no so idea he, that. And like, so as if he's like, um, and by the way, I think there's a photograph of this that exists, which I've never seen because the guy had already went to take it and we had to redo it. Um, so, so then he makes this noise as if he's on a horse. He goes, whoa. And he, so he picks up his hat and he straightens out again. And meanwhile, Robert's just looking at me from across the room with utter despair on his face and disgust, you know, uh, Oh, and so, so then, we, so then we huddle in again, and we do it properly. And I try and keep my flesh away from his, so I don't destroy him with shock again. Um, and uh, and we take the picture. And I don't know how much you can tell from the picture. Sean's just smiling, looking great as usual. And I've got this weird smile on my face, like it's a really forced smile, as if I'm mortified about what just happened. <laughs> uh, and I'm just trying to look normal but instead I look like my face is just being uncomfortably stretched into a smile I'll put this up on the Instagram but it was uh, it was just one of those horrible things but he was good about it I got a signed 8 by 10 out of it and uh, the picture is you know last to this day and like man the show was excellent as well so it was a good day but my god one of the most embarrassing encounters with a wrestler I've ever had I not show Michael's hat off his damn head when <laughs> when you knocked his hat off and then you had to you know, force yourself to look happy for the picture would yeah. you say that you lost your smile whoa <laughs> 
Boom, roasted. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, honestly, man. See, when you were telling me it was this embarrassing story and stuff, and my I don't know what I was expecting. In my head, I thought you were younger. I thought it was like mid two thousands, and maybe you you you'd said something weird about school or yourself. I didn't realize it was so recent. I didn't realize you knocked his hat off his head. That's um, unbelievable. I was uh, I was twenty six and old enough to know better. <laughs> hey, this is Chavo Guerrero Jr. and you're watching Then Wrestling Connection. Viva la raza! Yeah, so there you go. He knocked his hat off his head. That is the most hilarious thing ever. Of all people for it to happen to, Glenn is the perfect example. However, the fact that it's Shawn Michaels makes it so, so sweet. Next up is another one of my favourite stories that Glenn has told. I've liked all Glenn's stories, actually. He's a very underrated storyteller. And while he's not here, I'll put him over and say that. I think he doesn't give himself enough credit for his storytelling. I can ramble on a bit. I can repeat myself a lot. I can ramble on a bit. I can repeat myself a lot. But Glenn is a really good storyteller. I can ramble on and I can repeat myself a lot. But this next story comes from Glenn when he was in... Oh, where was it? Was it, was it Florida or was it California? Somewhere in the States. And I guess we'll find out here. I've not listened back to this clip yet. I'm going to listen along with you. And this is where he was in an airport in the USA. Very excited for Borat 2, by the way. And this is when Glenn ran into the father of the Usos, the big quiche himself. My God, one of my boys, Rikishi. Nice. Well, there was a day where you didn't know them. Then you showed up, you met them and they became lifelong friends. Could you say that about a certain wrestler by the name of The Big Quiche? <laughs> I certainly could, as this is wonderfully <laughs> transitioning into... That was, that was uh, a really subtle segue, if you did wow. <laughs> see it this, So this is us. So folks, uh, if you listened to our episode a couple of weeks ago, uh, Chris and I debuted our new segment, which is Meet a Wrestler, where we told a story about the day that we first met, where we also met Daniel Bryan and Kane. Yes. And two weeks later, we are returning to this segment. Uh, and this time, it's my turn to tell a solo story. We have had experiences where we've met wrestlers collectively, but a lot of the yeah. time, our, some of our fun stories are uh, told individually. So here is my uh, meet a wrestler contribution for this week. I'm looking forward to this one because last time we were together in person, you tried to tell me this story, but we were desperately late to a show. So we yeah. didn't really get the full experience. So I'm looking forward to hearing it properly now. So yeah, like the the wrestling scene in the UK is so big that loads of fans who like wrestling here have now had the chance to meet a bunch of wrestlers, and this happens increasingly. You go back to when we were little kids; it was quite rare to meet a big star, a big star in the mainstream WWE uh, roster. But now it's a bit more commonplace because of inside the ropes, or you know, for quite a long period of time, ICW would bring over big names as well. So, yeah. uh, and even other local promotions. Uh, but this story, I, I chose to tell this one because this is the first big encounter with a wrestler that I ever had. And this comes from a time where it was unusual to meet big stars of wrestling in Scotland, although this story did not actually take place in Scotland. Oh, so, right. Chris, we're going, we're going back in time uh, to the year 2003. Oh, I was yes. a 12-year-old boy, <laughs> and it was the first <laughs> summer holidays after I had started uh, secondary school. And my dad uh, blew my brother and I's minds by telling us that he was taking us on holiday to the States because we have cousins in California. So what ensued was this incredible, like, 
two week holiday. I was so lucky. Like where we got to do like uh, go to California and go all over the state of California. My cousins live near San Francisco. Um, but uh, wait, 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 have you recommended your cousins the wrestling connection? My cousins, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, no, no, first of all, no, I haven't, and they wouldn't be interested. Just uh, thinking maybe they're, they're the 2%. I mean, they are nosy, but, <laughs> but uh, maybe, maybe we're something. making new, new contacts in the States, but it's just family members. <laughs> no, nah, nah, I guarantee you it's not. The last time my cousin Derek had anything to do with wrestling was when during another visit to the States, he ordered WrestleMania 17 on eBay on VHS for me. So Nice. Um, they're good cousins. So, yeah. He's a great guy. I miss my cousin Derek a lot. Uh, so we're in California, and as part of this incredible like dream come true holiday, uh, we were going to fly to Los Angeles because that's where Disneyland and Universal is. So uh, we flew out from an airport, not in San Francisco airport, but from Oakland airport. Uh, are you familiar, Chris, with Oakland, California? I am because of certain YouTubers who live there, but I've never been myself. Right. If it's a fun side note, most of my knowledge of American geography comes from like Tony Schimmel and Howard Finkel. Like that's Absolutely. how I know the cities and states. 100%. I spoke about how how uh, wrestling helped my academic stuff with English, but my geography is would otherwise be de- deprived <laughs> without wrestling. Yeah. So um, um I feel like are, when, when we watch like quiz shows and that sort of thing, if a question comes up about America, I'm always like first on there trying to like guess because I can think, right, who's from Missouri? Right, Randy Orton. Uh, <laughs> St. Louis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. Uh, so, uh, yeah, right. So we are flying out from Oakland Airport. We're going to Los Angeles. The angle is Disneyland. I'm psyched. Uh, I'm a wee boy. I'm 12 years old and I am wrestling a daft to take the title of another excellent wrestling podcast and i carried with me a bunch of wwe magazines and i was really into my magazines as i spoke about a few weeks ago uh and like i remember the uk and the us editions would sometimes be slightly different so uh i would often have at that holiday about four or five different copies of wwe and raw magazine respectively yeah so we're sitting in this airport it's a long i think there might be a delay for all i know and uh, i'm reading my wwe magazine and i'm told to go and find my brother who's wandered off somewhere like to a gift shop or something so i get up to go and find my brother lewis and i can't see him anywhere and so I, I kind of lose my bearings a bit and I stop and I start doing a circle to try and figure out where I am, how I get to either where he is or back to where my, my dad and my cousins are. And I'm doing a scan, people, luggage, bag, bag, 300 pence and one man, luggages, bag. <laughs> what? <laughs> nice. Uh, so then my heart stops and every part of my body feels really heavy. And I'm looking... And ahead of me, sat on a seat, wearing shades, a leather jacket, uh, trousers as well, I should add. Yeah. Um, and on a cell phone, a very 2003-era cell phone, is none other than Rikishi. And it's unmistakably him. Absolutely. It's no, he, hard to If miss. you see him, exactly, if you see him in the street, you know, there's one person, you know, <laughs> one person <laughs> like, that looks like him. I can understand walking past like Mike Bennett or Crash yeah. Holly or I you know like somebody who maybe stands out less in a crowd, but Rikishi really stands out. So for anyone, and I'd be surprised, but if anyone listening to this doesn't know, 
Rikishi was often billed as 400 pounds. Yeah. He is a very large Samoan guy who had bleach blonde hair at this point. And his gimmick was that he was a retired sumo wrestler who also loved to dance. He wrestled on a thong <laughs> and his special move was the stink face where he would rub his large posterior in the face of his opponent. And a as PG a child, explanation of the finisher. <laughs> and as a child, that was just like, such a giggle it still makes me giggle the stink face and it's just stupid toilet humor but it's it's hilarious um and so i stare at him and then he looks up and i sh- ooh, nearly swore that i absolutely <laughs> crapped it <laughs> i should say uh, when i left my last school one of my pupils gave me an almost swear jar because that's a problem i have is that i start a swear but i always catch it in time oh, uh, so I owe, jar. That's good. I, I owe that jar some extra coins right now um so i bolt back like ditched the idea of finding my brother and i bolt back to my cousins and uh but then my brother shows up as well so we're all in one spot and i'm kind of like jittery and I, I don't, i'm going around in circles and my brother's like what is it and i said there's a man over there and i think it's rikishi <laughs> And he was like, don't be stupid. Because my brother watched wrestling as well at this point, And Rikishi is such a memorable character. Uh, and so we walked back to the spot. And my brother's, the whole time we're walking there, my brother's giving it, oh, don't talk rubbish. Absolute idiot. Just havering. Telling lies as usual, Glenn. Oh my God, I think that is Rikishi. <laughs> There's a man over there and I think it's Rikishi. <laughs> just to so, be clear, uh, by the way, also just to be clear, last week we talked about uh, favourite live wrestling experiences and you had a lot of good experience with fake Rikishi. Which one was this? This was the real one, and this came before fake Rikishi, so right, now okay. I can tell the difference for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fake Rikishi was a large white man in a red jumper. So, like, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so and then I, I go back and I, I'm panicking and like I can't like I really need to put this into context, especially for any younger listeners that we have who maybe don't quite grasp how mind-blowing it was to have an interaction with a wrestler this time because the wwf and the wwe did not come to the uk or sorry did not come to scotland every year at this point no not they at did all. not and you know in, and even more rare was an autograph signing so most people who would meet wrestlers were people who would either be able to go to rebellion and insurrection all the time <laughs> my friend robert <Yeah>. or <laughs> who went to the states to go to wrestlemania and that was not us as, as a family growing up we get i get like I seek advice from my cousins and they say, well, here's, you should tread carefully with this because if it's not Rikishi and you show him a picture of him in the magazine, he's going to be offended to say that you look like this man here, <laughs> this big fat Samoan you yeah. know, rubbing his butt in someone's face. Uh, and it just so happened that that month's WWE magazine or, or whichever copy I had, had like a superstar spotlight one page article on Rikishi with a great what? big picture of him. What are the odds in that? Do you know what I mean? That is amazing incredible so i had the picture and i was able to show my family and say listen i think that's him and so i wanted to go and talk to him but i was too scared to go and talk to him so eventually my cousin nikki uh she says like i'll come with you and your brother and if you can't talk i'll take over i'll tag in and uh, my cousin nice. Nikki's so cool for stuff like this um so we walk up to him and by this point, thankfully, he's off the phone and he's just sitting there looking miserable, I might add. Um, <laughs> it must be rubbish being a guy of his size, you know, exactly. like, I know. traveling in such a small man's world. Um, 
And so I went up to him and I can pretty much remember word for word my exact words. So I'll try and replicate it in my uh, in the way that I said it. Excuse me. Um, I'm sorry to bother you, but you look a lot like a wrestler I know. And I was just wondering, are you Rikishi? And I'm shaking at this point. I am so nervous because, again, like, oh my to, God. to be in the presence of, uh, like, this is like meeting Superman for 12-year-old Glenn. Uh, and he looks up and he goes, yes. <laughs> and I said, oh, well, would you be okay to sign an autograph on my magazine, please? And he went, sure. So he takes the magazine, he signs <laughs> it, and I thought, like, and, and th- I'm actually beaming right now thinking how lucky I was that that was there in that magazine, like that, <laughs> know, that, that thing, you know, because it could have just been signing a picture of Brock Lesnar, you know, if exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he signs it and then he, he goes, so where are you guys headed? And that's where I froze because uh, I forgot where we were going. <laughs> Freaking <laughs> Disneyland. Um, and... Uh, and so then my cousin Nikki steps in and, you know, Nikki has lived in the, the States for like a long time now, but you can't take the East Cobb out of her. So she was like giving it, kind of, off and off to Disneyland, off to Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, and then he's just like, okay, enjoy. And then uh, that was it. And I was beaming. And of course, this is 2003. I couldn't just text Robert and say, because I didn't even have a phone, I don't think, at that point, to say yeah. that I met Rikishi. So I had to hold on to this for, for weeks, like like a week and a half before I could tell anyone that would care about it. Um, and I just remember us all getting up to go to our gate via a Starbucks and my dad t- saying, oh, there's your man away. And we turned around and we just saw him grabbing his bag and, and walk off. Uh, and that would be my last ever interaction with Rikishi until last year when he uh, he did a cameo video for, for my friend Robert's birthday. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah, I forgot about yeah. that where he called him Robert Strong as opposed to Robert Strang, but you can't have everything. So like that was my <laughs> first ever encounter with a wrestler. I still have the signed uh, magazine page. It's a little bit faded now, signed in black biro. I'll uh, pop it up on the Instagram. How about that? Please but, do. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's a cherished childhood memory. It means so much to me. That's um, that's a brilliant story. It's those sort of interactions that you kind of dream about, and it's almost like mm. if you were to go back to school and tell someone that story, they wouldn't believe you it's that good. Um, yeah, Robert didn't believe me until I showed him the autograph, and even at yeah. that, he was cynical. That's, that's brilliant. I think Rikishi is absolutely awesome. I think he's so underrated. Um, we kind of texted about this earlier in the week, but we want to do an episode where we're going to talk about obscure favorite wrestlers, like yeah. maybe some like people we like that we maybe like don't get the recognition from all these people that maybe they should do, but maybe just have a sort of personal attachment to us. And Rikishi's got to be on my list. I've always had a soft spot for him, and I always liked the dancing. I love the theme song. I love the sort of the character yeah. and his matches. I mean, for for a big guy, he was unbelievably athletic. He um, was such a good, a bit like Umaga, like in the ring, he was just yeah. so good and shouldn't be that good for his size, you know? Yes, Rikishi did look fly today when he met Glenn at this beautiful USA International Airport back in the day, which is very, very exciting. I feel like that's never happened to me when I've been in an airport or, a, or a, you know, next to the buses or whatever, and I've seen a wrestler. It's only happened one time when I've seen them in public in not like a sort of informal setting, and I'm yet to tell that story, but it might include a certain Swiss Superman. So keep that keep that in your head for a future story. Uh, I love that story. The Rikishi thing is hilarious. The way that Glenn says that Rikishi, when, when he went up to Rikishi and said, are you Rikishi? And Rikishi just went, yes. That, I just love that. I think that's brilliant. Like, he's still in gimmick. Shades on. Yes. I did it. 
for the rock. I love that story. Closing out this episode, this is the last Meet a Wrestler story for this particular compilation, and this is one from myself, and this is one of Glenn's favourite stories that I've told, and one of my, one of the most sillier, um, or one of the most silly, sorry, I don't want the English teacher and Glenn to shout at me here, one of the most silly stories that I've told here, and this is when I met Big Daddy Cool, Diesel, Kevin Nash. Meet a wrestler, we met a wrestler in the flesh. Oh yeah. Um. So this this encounter happened in 2011, okay. and around this time, I was uh, really into my UK wrestling scene, especially obviously in this country. Um, traveling around to see Lionheart well, wrestle. Well, you do and, live in the uh, UK. I do live in the UK, yeah, but it's Scotland anyway. Yeah. I'd travel around a lot, and I'd, I'd go all over the country just to see the, the you know this roster, but mainly Lionheart and Wolfgang and, and the guys that I knew you know really well. They're the ones I wanted to see, and if I yeah. saw they were on the card, I'd be like, okay, we have to go, you know. And that's why I think you know the British wrestling scene doesn't get as much credit as it maybe deserves, because um, it was literally you know from nothing to what mm-hmm. it is now, you know, and, and now he's got a whole brand in NXT, you know. Um, yeah. So around this time, 2010 was really the year that I kind of took off, but this is 2011. And around this time, there was lots of different promotions. ICW was was still kind of growing its legs and getting into the kind of mainstream that it is now, you know. Um, but I'd actually argue that there was actually bigger companies, you know, than ICW. ICW just started running nightclubs at this time. Yeah. Um, so around the time there was SWA, which was the Scottish Wrestling Alliance. That was the first one I went to in 2008. There was ICW, of course. There was PBW, which was Premier British Wrestling, which is I loved PBW. That was oh, good. Yeah. They used to run ads in Purslan. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why I liked the logo. I just did. I liked the way it looked. Um, mm. And then the other one was BCW, which was British Championship Wrestling, and it was run out of Kilmarnock. I don't know why it was called British and it was out of Kelly, but there you go. Um, <laughs> so... That, they were always very special because they would they would have the best production value at the time, BCW. They would have yeah. some pyro and they would have a nice stage, nice fancy lights and stuff like that. And they'd have like a, like the entrance ramp sometimes would go right up onto the apron, a bit like Dynamite is now in the pandemic. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love that. Um, I love that look. WCW used to do that back in the day. Yeah, they did, yeah. TNA did it for a bit and I guess they, they started breaking all the time so they went back to normal. But So I, I would always go to BCW every so often. Um, I'd go with my mate Evan or my dad, and they were always the more expensive ones, though. Sometimes they'd bring imports in, that sort of thing. And uh, I would always check Power Slam and, and Facebook and stuff like that to see if there was any shows coming up and any you know American talents coming in that I could maybe go and meet and go and see. And on this occasion, it was advertised for May of 2011, and they were bringing in the one and only Big Daddy Cool, Kevin Nash. No. Was coming, was to BCW. Now, this is this is Kevin Nash. This is not Diesel. This is not dyed hair, Kevin Nash. This is grey hair, right? I have to make that clear. Grey hair, um, red singlet, Kevin Nash, right? Yeah. So it was it was like okay, he's coming to BCW. Come and meet Kevin Nash and stuff. And I was like, oh my god, that's such a big name, you know. And you, you'd assume that Kevin Nash was like expensive to bring in you know what i mean like just he has this kind of order that he's always about money and that sort of thing but then icw yeah. brought him back in 2017 yeah, or something you know oh yeah yeah, you're so, right, yeah they did you know it must not be that expensive you must love doing it you know he wouldn't do it otherwise you know um yeah do you remember that icw show when he was the commissioner and i just couldn't i'd met him before but i just couldn't believe how big he was he was huge so yeah tall. Like, i i missed that fear and loathing uh unfortunately oh, did but you really I, oh yeah, it's, it's one of the only ones I didn't go to, 
but even watching the on-demand service, which I was a subscriber to at the yeah. time, he still looks huge, which is weird because their ring isn't much different in size to a WWE ring. It's like a 20 by yeah. 20, but it was still like, what? It's like, he, he does, you know, look huge. Like, he's a massive man, and I've never, I don't think I've even ever seen him live. Do you know that? I don't think I've really? ever in any capacity, no. Oh, did you did you see their WWE show in November of 2011? No, but I know you were there, and I'm raging yeah. about it. I wasn't, you know. It was, it was Cena, Zack Ryder, and Kofi Kingston versus The Miz, Truth, and Kevin Nash. How about that for a six-man mm. tag? Mental. Mm. Um, so this was advertised for 2011 that Kevin Nash was coming to Kilmarnock. <laughs> I was all right then. That sounds good. So it went... That was fine. Um, the, the idea of the BCW shows was that you'd see the show, the show would start, and it would do an, like an intermission in the middle. And the intermission, yeah. that's when you would go and meet Kevin Nash. You would go and take a picture at the ring, oh, just at the okay. apron of the oh, ring. Cool. And which always meant the intermission would go on far too long because everyone was trying to meet him, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. But I think it was, I would say it was a ticket thing. You had to either buy the next level up to meet him or whatever, you know? So yeah. after you met him, then the second half would start, right? So... Um, I thought because I had bought a ticket to meet him, I thought they wouldn't be as busy as expected because I didn't think everybody would have a ticket. But it turns out loads of folk were there to see him, right? So yeah. we went to get a drink or whatever at intermission and we came back and the queue was so long. I was like, oh my God, Like, I wonder if we're going to even get a chance to meet him. So we stayed, we'd stand in the queue and we, we keep going, we keep going. It would like, uh, you'd go to the barricade and then the security guard was there at the barricade and then whoever it was, you know, if it was your turn, they'd go, right, okay, on you go and you'd go past the barricade and you'd walk like down the entrance ramp it's hard at an entrance mm-hmm. ramp. It was just a wee kind of lane, but it was cool because it was the entrance, the entrance ramp there anyway. Yeah, and uh, yeah. you'd walk to the entrance, and then you just stand at the apron. This is before the apron was next to the the ramp was up against the apron, but it was on the floor. And uh, you just stood next to him, and you took the picture. And it was uh, David G. Wilson, the photographer. Oh um, yeah. So he he would take the professional picture, and then he would say, "Okay, well, it's going to be on Facebook tomorrow. You can just get your picture there." I was okay. That sounds cool. So I had taken the rise and fall of WCW DVD with me. I said, I'll get this signed by Kevin Nash. So awesome. we're standing, and it was it's really cool. It's like this yellow case. I thought it looked really cool in black signature. And I was right. Yeah. Um, so I was standing there, and I was holding the DVD and stuff, and I go up to him. And for, I'm a tall guy, but this is, this is a long time ago now. This is nine years ago. So I was relatively yeah. shorter. I was, I was still tall, but shorter than I am now anyway. And I, it yeah. was one of the few times that I've been like, OMG, like, this guy's huge, right? Yeah. So, but, but, you know, at the time, you're kind of starstruck and stuff, you know, you don't really think too much of it. And it was really, really quick, these ones, because it was just a picture and you kind of move on, right? Mm. So I go up to him and I'm looking at him and he's not got a pen with him or anything. And I was like, surely, surely he's signing autographs as well. And I'm looking about and I'm like, other people, that's all the people getting autographs and stuff. But it, because we were so far back in the queue, the intermission was over and we had to start the second half of the show. So basically yeah. what they said was, no more autographs. No more. Oh, man. Just a picture, right? So you know how, it was a bit like Daniel Bryan and Kane where they were like, no cameras. You're a bit raging, but you're okay, fine. But you're a bit raging anyway, right? Yeah. So I was like, what? So I'm just holding this DVD now. It's not as if I've got like my bag, I can put it in my bag's next to my seat and stuff, right? So yeah. it's not as if I can go out. So I'm just walking about with this DVD as if I bought it, right? So I walk up to him, I shake his hand, hands are huge. He puts his hand on like the back of my neck. And turns me around to face like he does it like with his hand turns me round to face the right way with the camera. He's just so strong and like tall. And we take the picture and he's kind of like, it's a good picture. I'm I've got my long hair. I'm full on teenager and stuff. And I look a bit flushed because I'm eating Kevin Ash. And I say thanks very much for coming over. And he goes, you got it. 
And I said to him, I don't know. I mean, I'm not really that much. I'm quite shy, really, when it comes to like social interactions like that. But so I don't know what it is about these wrestlers. I guess I know it's like my one and only chance to say something to them, and I just get up the courage. I don't know. And I basically say, I said, like, can you sign this for me? And Kevin Nash says, oh, give me later. Give me later. I'll sign it later. Right? Mm-hmm. So now, now that I'm in my 20s, I'm thinking back to that time. And basically, that's him saying, no. Nah. <laughs> yeah. No. Nah. You missed your chance. Move along, kid. You know? But at the time, nine years ago, I was like, wait, I'm sorry, when's later? Wait, is that 10 minutes? Is that uh, an hour? Is that, is that two, when's later? Is that after the show, remember? Um, so obviously I didn't say that to him. I was like, all right, okay, no bother. I'll, I'll get you later then. And he was like, yeah, give me later, man. Give me later. So I said, all right, okay. So in my head, I'm meeting him. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, he said he said, he said he's going to get it later. But now I'm thinking, yeah. what a ridiculous thing to think, right? <laughs> but at the time, naive wee boy Chris, I'm like, oh God, I, I need, he's going to, he said he would do it. Kevin Nash is a man of his word. Absolutely. So we go back and we watch the rest of the show. Kevin Nash comes out on the show and stuff, gets this big pop. It was really cool. Um, and uh, the main event was a, a tag match, a multi-man tag match, a multi-person tag match. Kaylee Ray was in the match, actually. We love Kaylee Ray on the show. Um, and uh, it was just cool. It was like the heel faction at the time. They were called The Aggression. And uh, they were against Kevin Nash and his partner, who I will not mention. Who were the, who were the Ruthless? Kevin Nash went over, brother. And uh, Stevie Boy Xavier took the jackknife, and um, I remember watching it, and it was, <laughs> this is daft I'm saying this, but I couldn't believe how high up Stevie Boy was when he took that thing, just the way like Kevin Nash would just let him go, it just looked brutal, yeah. he just took this big powerbombing. Kevin Nash won, and it was the old Diesel theme song that they played and stuff. It was just a cool yeah. moment. So there we go, at the end, everyone starts piling out and stuff, and I'm sitting there going, well, hang on, I can't, I can't leave, I need, to, I need to get my autograph. I, Kevin Nash said, get me later. So I had I had um, been to Kid Fight's training school, um, mm-hmm. and and I'd, I'd done some training with Which him. And I all other story you should tell one day. I've been to Kid Fight's training school. Didn't work for me, so I went to Nikki Storms and Demos, and uh, I'll tell that story another day. Yeah. Um, good good times. Um, Joe Joe Coffey was raging because I could do a nip up and he couldn't. Anyway. Uh, so, so I was kind of pally with Kid Fight, not pally, but like I knew I'd spoken to him a bunch of times before, like informally, right? So, uh, Kid Fight was was recovering from his thing, and he was he had just lost the match and stuff, and he was just walking about. Now this is like ten minutes after the crowd had left, and I walked up to Kid Fight, and I was like, Ross, <laughs> can't believe I did this, <laughs> Ross. Uh, Kevin Nash said that I have to go and meet him after the show to get an autograph, um, because I didn't have time for my autograph for the thing. I said I paid for my ticket. I got my picture, but I didn't get the autograph. And Kid Fate was like, all right, you said I did, did he say that? And I was like, yeah, Kevin, Kevin Nash said I have to go get him after the show. And the way Kid Fate said, oh, did he really? Did he say that? I'm starting to think, okay, now he's going to tell me to get lost. Mm-hmm. Kid Fate then said, all right, come on then. So Kid no. Fate takes me and my mate Evan backstage into the locker room to get an autograph from Kevin what? Nash. Right? So we walk in the locker room and Kevin Nash is sitting down now, right? And he's taking his boots off and his socks off and he's getting changed. And I'm just standing there, right? So he's he's just sitting there with his his gear off. He's got his singlet down. He's rolled up like all the way up to his knees and stuff. And he's got his hairs all greasy and that. And he's kind of getting his, taking his elbow pads off and he's getting changed. And there's just other wrestlers in there packing up their stuff. And there's me and Evan standing there with Kid Fight. And uh, Kid Fight's like, Kev, you're the boys there. And Kevin and I, and now I'm thinking, what is happening here? 
<laughs> and I, I don't really know what I was thinking. And Kevin Ash was like, oh yeah, sure, come over. So I just walk over and I sit down next to Kevin Ash, who is getting changed, by the way. Did I mention that? He's getting yeah. changed. <clears throat> Sitting down next to him. He takes my DVD and he puts on his mad sweaty leg, signs it, K Nash, hands it back. And he's like, uh, did you get a picture or what? And I was like, oh, yeah, I got one, but I've not, I've not got it. I need to get it tomorrow. Because that was like the rule. You go on Facebook, you get the picture tomorrow. Yeah. And he goes, well, we'll take another one just in case it gets, it gets I don't want to swear, in case it gets f***ed up. That's what he said. So I've got this picture. I'm sitting in the in the locker room with Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash's hair is all greasy and fuzzy like Kane in Royal Rumble 2001. And uh, we're just looking at my phone and we're, we're smiling. And that's the picture. So I have two pictures of Kevin Nash. One, he's in his full gear, looking brilliant. And that was the professional one that David Wilson took. And then I've got one post-show of where Singlet down, his hair all greasy, looking as if he's just been through a 30-minute match. And there's me, who had the gall to go up to a wrestler who'd just beaten, who just got beaten by Kevin Nash. Brilliant. And uh, got my autograph on my Rise and Fall of WCW DVD. So there you go. I, that I is amazing. Walked, walked backstage and met Sweaty getting changed Kevin Nash. One of his lesser known gimmicks, but for sure. Dude, like, <laughs> there's been so many occasions now in the 17 year or 17 week history <laughs> of this podcast where I'm kind of like almost a wee bit miffed because I've known you for eight years now. And I'm like, how have we known each other for eight years? Spoken about wrestling for years. Spoken about, uh, gone to shows together, gone to Q&A events together, spoken about Kevin Nash, I'm sure, in the past, and you never <laughs> thought to tell me that you went backstage and interrupted him while he was getting dressed out of his sweaty clothes. No, 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 I never interrupted him. Kid Fight interrupted him. I just happened okay. to be there for an autograph. No, sorry. Ross interrupted him. <laughs> Ross! All right, you called him Ross. <laughs> uh, Ross, Kevin said he would sign my autograph. All right, come on then. <laughs> Maybe never to meet a wrestler with you again. Jesus, if they oh, ever bring CM Punk over. Oh, listen, I would no. never. I, w- I would never do that now. There's no way I would do that now. I don't Oh, God. I guess because, like, because I've been in that position where, like, you don't want to disturb someone when they're in the zone. You know what I mean? Yeah. I guess I would just never do that now. If I saw Paul Heyman berating my pal about dropping stuff, like, I wouldn't go, oh, Paul, what is he like? You know what I mean? I'd probably say something about the weather. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're just being <sighs> nice now, but, you know. Yeah. No, I'm serious. Like, I, I, I would kind of get kind of scared about that and just say it. But at the time, I was nervous as anything at the time. But, like, just, I don't know. I guess it's just because I was younger and I thought I was more innocent, you know? Um, Dude. And because I knew to... I, I, I'd spoke to Kid Fight before, you know? You need to promise me that the title of this episode will be something along the lines of <laughs> the time Chris interrupted Kevin Nash getting changed. Please, okay. that would, that, that's the draw. That's a draw. That is money. <laughs> that's the draw. Right, okay, deal. Um, you know, JBL yeah. at one night stand. You put my name on the marquee, it sells out. It's like that. That's the logic, okay? Everybody listening is probably like that one night stand crowd and just chanting to me right now to, shut the cup. No, they're going, you deserve it. Ah, <laughs> oh, but there you go. That, that's my last real wacky story other than a couple I can maybe think of that are a bit daft and maybe yeah. like oh, running up here. to someone. I'd love to hear you at some point down the line tell your Lionheart story. I think that'd be a nice one to hear you talk about one day. That's what I was thinking about. That's that's like the next like really daft one. But in terms of nothing beats, you know, going into Kevin Ash's dressing room when he was all sweaty and getting changed. 
Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and may I introduce to you the Wrestling Connection podcast. This is something that uh, Glenn and Chris have put together. Yep, that happened, and my God, it was a bit surreal. And even listening back to that story, it kind of gives me a funny tummy because, and when I, I remember when I first recorded that one and put it out to the to the masses here on the the podcast feeds, wherever you're listening to the podcast on, I remember saying to Glenn, I was like, I feel a bit uneasy about that story because 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 it's so personal and it's so like out of the blue. Like, when is that ever going to happen again? You know what I mean? Where you're backstage and you've walked in on a professional wrestler, never mind a seven-foot-tall one known, known as Kevin Ash, a Hall of Famer nonetheless, you know, getting changed after his match. It's very, like, intimate stuff and it really shouldn't have happened. And the only reason it should, the only reason it did happen is because I was doing some wrestling training at the time, so I kind of had a wee in there. But I do not condone trying to get backstage to meet these wrestlers as, a, as now, you know, an actor and as a performer myself. You, especially after you perform, you're on that kind of high, you know, that kind of buzz about it. The last thing you want to do is kind of go back into that sort of um, out, out of, I don't want to say out of character zone. It wasn't as bad as that, but just you don't want to be exploited is kind of what I'm looking for. And I guess it's, it's much more different from me as a sort of young, small degree actor with Kevin Nash, this massive famous wrestler. Um, but it's just, I don't know, there's something about it, you know, no, no fan should be able to do that. You know, that's a personal time when you go through that curtain you know, you're getting changed, your match is over, your performance is over, that's your time to chill out, you know, there should be no fan going backstage and meeting them, but it just so happened that's the way it worked out, you know, I was kind of, I was I was training with Kid Fight at the time and the other trainers in that school and stuff, so it was kind of like a sort of favour, I guess, and I'm very, very grateful, but it was never like an unprofessional thing, it was never like a sort of, oh, we'll let fans backstage, it was more because I was kind of on the inside for that small period of time, so it would never happen again unless I go back to training sometime. Or, you know, I met Kevin Ash in a different setting, but, um, yeah, it would never happen again. But I was very, very grateful for that, and that's like a one-of-a-kind story. You know, only me and a couple of others who was there with me have, you know, so it's, um, it's definitely a funny one. And when I think back to it, and I listen back to that story, I do slap my forehead and I'm saying, how on earth did that happen, you know? So hopefully you enjoyed that story, and hopefully you enjoyed these past few stories here on the very first edition of the best of Meet a Wrestler, now that Glenn has, has been in the process of moving house and was unable to make it this week. He did not come via satellite, which is kind of what I wanted to do. I thought that would have been funny. But uh, I guess he always comes via satellite, doesn't he? Because we're not doing this in the same room. And that's something that we've been able to... I'm very proud of, the fact that the show survived and kind of developed, you know, through COVID. And we were able to produce 24 great episodes. When I say great, I mean great as in quality and stuff. Um, you know, every week it sounds, in, in my opinion anyway, it sounds good. The fact we're not in the same room, I thought was quite impressive, the fact how good it sounded. And that's just through research and that's just through dedication to, you know, setting time aside to do it. And we need your help, ladies and gents, to try and spread the show. Just like the virus is spreading, we'd like to spread some good. And that is positivity around the wrestling business. If you're out there and you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend or a family member. And we would love to get some more eyes and ears on the Wrestling Connection podcast. That's something we would love. We, we have a nice sort of core listenership, but we'd love to grow the show and expand a bit more and stuff. So please, if you know someone who might like wrestling positivity, <laughs> there might not be very many out there, but uh, me and Glenn do. So hopefully you know someone who enjoys some wrestling positivity and wants to just talk about wrestling as a whole topic rather than individual shows and the current stuff. It's more about wrestling as a general topic. Everybody who's ever liked wrestling can relate to this show in some way. And that's kind of why I love doing the Wrestling Connection. That's why I know Glenn loves doing it, because it's something that we actively look forward to doing every single week. And we are buzzing to get back together next week 
to record another brand new episode, which we will do this coming Sunday. So yes, thanks very much for listening, everybody. Again, please tell a friend. Please follow us on social media. Twitter is at WrestleConnect1 and Instagram is at WrestleConnection. And please subscribe to our YouTube channel just by searching the Wrestling Connection podcast on there and hit subscribe for... Uh, current show reviews, match style ratings, and uh, exclusive videos on there that I'm I'm definitely working on. I've got a plan there for wrestling content on the YouTube channel. And you can follow me on on social media personally on my YouTube channel, which is CM Forty Two TV. We are closing down on three thousand subscribers, ladies and gents, and that's very very exciting. And I'm also on Twitter at CM Forty Two TV as well. So until next time, folks. Thanks very much for listening. We'll be back again. Glenn and I in the studio recalling a brand new episode for episode number 26. But until then, in the meantime and in between time, my name is Chris of the Wrestling Connection. That's the show you've been listening to. This has been episode number 25. And we hope you've had a very nice day wherever you are around the world. Peace! <laughs>